Have you ever noticed that some people are offended by the word doctrine? There are even those who say we should follow Jesus, admire Jesus, or even love and obey Jesus, but leave doctrine behind. Because when they think of doctrine, they think of people arguing over things that might not matter. In fact, the New Testament view of doctrine and the Old Testament view is of essential truths that must be adhered to, obeyed, and yes, even contended for if necessary. Let's get into it. Thank you, friend, for joining us at Arlington United. How many of you have heard this, this phrase, fake news? Anybody heard that phrase, fake news? Um, a lot of times in our culture, uh, somebody who's a Democrat will say that to somebody who's a Republican, or somebody who's a Republican will say that to somebody who's a Democrat. Fake news, fake news. Um, I searched the term this week, and I actually found, if you'll believe this, when I just searched fake news, Brother Ray, I found 2.5 billion hits on Google. 2.5 billion references. Now, there aren't but 8 billion of us. <laughs> 2.5 billion references to fake news. That shocked me. I thought it would be a, a few million. I thought I was going to impress y'all with a few million hits. 2.5 billion hits for fake news. I don't know what ranks the highest in Google's algorithm, but that has to be close. That's unbelievable to me that there'd be that many references to fake news. The phrase has actually been around since 1890. It's been around a long time. Uh, there was so-called yellow journalism in the, in the eight, late, late 19th century. But it was popularized by Mr. Trump in the 2016 election. He had a way if somebody uh, said something that was critical of his philosophies or campaigns or something like that, he, he would call it fake news. So this phrase kind of took on a life of its own, and it's kind of become part of our political lexicon and social lexicon over the last seven years or so. Uh, I do want to show you some data today. Regardless of what your political stripe would be or your particular affiliation or thought process, I think we can agree that this is not good. Confidence in the national sources of news has fallen to an all-time low in our country. I'm showing you a graph that shows that only about 16 to 11 percent of people have confidence in TV and print journalism. Like that actually when you turn on, I can remember there was the big three. There was ABC, NBC, and CBS. Now, I remember Dan Rather, uh, Peter Jennings, and Tom Brokaw. Those, those were the three guys, right? And so all white male, wasn't a lot of diversity, but you turn on the TV and you listen to those guys, and that's you kind of thought that was the, the deal. You know, that's, they would give you the truth. You had to, we argued about what you thought about it, not what they were saying. But in today's world, very few people have high confidence in what they're consuming is actually even being accurate and if it doesn't agree with their viewpoint a lot of people say fake news or you know just in following this conflict in the middle east i've i've seen some videos and things like, oh man that's terrible and then i i later find out that that was a video from a whole other thing that somebody had put there and claimed that it was it's it was whether deliberate or not it was a deception some of it was not true and that really hurts me as a citizen because I think, man, I, 
I have a hard time making up my own when I've got the right facts. It's like you're being asked to play Uno and they give you a fake deck. Or you're being asked to pay your bills and somebody gave you Monopoly money. How do you even add it all up if you don't know the facts that you're dealing with? Now, I don't know a way to solve that today. I didn't come here to restore trust in journalism. I, I don't know how to solve that problem. And I, I'm not smart enough. If I were, uh, I guess they make me uh, a more important person than I am. I, I don't, I don't have, I figured all that out. But I do want to offer to you today some news that you can trust. The trusted source of this news is found in our text today. And it's really not an organization, NPR or CBS or the Commercial Appeal or Daily Memphian. The source that you can trust is a person, and his name is Jesus. Amen. He's the trusted source that you can, pardon my phrase again, you can bank on. You can, you can trust it when the Lord says something. In the scene that John records for us, we see Jesus boldly proclaiming that he had come to share the doctrine of his Father. Now, I brought this scene from the Gospels to you today because I'm just going to, again, you guys know me, you know my motivations. I'm not here to criticize anyone else or to put someone down. But there are some professing Christians today that would be shocked to find this scene in the Bible. They don't talk about this scene much. They, they may talk about Jesus and the the woman caught in adultery. They may talk about Jesus healing the blind. They may talk about, they love to talk about Jesus giving the Pharisees the business. And there's, there's a lot of things that they like about Jesus, but this particular version or this particular portrait of Jesus is not popular with some branches of professing Christians because they think of doctrine as a dirty word. There are some people that, that think of doctrine as something negative or something that we shouldn't focus on, or something that we shouldn't care about. She'll find him eventually. <laughs> they think of doctrine as something negative, and they think that we need to focus just on the person of Jesus and ignore, if you will, the words of Jesus. Those who have made an idol out of the modern mindset already have their big story. Capital B, capital S. And an active God isn't part of their story. They believe in science. Well, I do too, but they, they believe that science is the answer to all things. I do not. Science can tell us a lot about what. It can tell us very little about why. And it can tell us nothing about who. So we need more than science, Brother Jim, to explain the universe. They're offended that Jesus makes any claim on their lives as the living God. You see, those who make an idol out of modernity, they're fine with Jesus as an historical figure. They're even okay with him as an ethical teacher or religious leader, but not as the Lord. Paul said the gospel is foolishness to the Greeks. Those who have an intellectual mindset, those who have modernity as their God. Now, you can set modern age and postmodern age anywhere you want to. I'll set that line at 1989 for the sake of argument. But there are those now that have made an idol out of the postmodern mindset. Hang with me a second. What is postmodernism? There is no big story. Everybody tells their own little story. Everybody just 
makes up their own truth. They're suspect of what are called meta-narratives or constructs of meaning. In other words, people who think this way, they don't speak of the truth. They speak of my truth. And they'll deny that we can perceive reality in any meaningful way. Unless, of course, and here's the acid test, if you disagree with them. And then you'll find out very quickly that they have some doctrines of their own. Because they will tell you that you're wrong if you don't accept this worldview. Now, we're not here to criticize and lambast people. We're here to win people. We're here to introduce people to the greatest life they can possibly live. A life in relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm not here to, to criticize these people, but I'm here to point out clearly to you today that God is active in the universe. That Jesus is more than a religious teacher. He is a living Lord. And I'm here to point out to you today that there are not 8 billion truths. There is one truth, capital T. And that truth is not a set of propositions. That truth is a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. He said that in John 14 6. Now, I talked to you about some people who may be religious, they may be secular, but there are specifically some religious people that don't like doctrine because they don't like sound teaching. Now, now again, I want to be as kind as I can possibly be here today. It's not my goal to offend you. The truth will do that on its own. I don't, I don't, the gospel is an offense to our own self-righteousness and our own self-sufficiency and our own thought that we can do it our way. These religious people want to divorce Jesus from doctrine. They want to picture a picture of Jesus that, that we can shape to meet our ends. And, and some people have a buddy Jesus. Some people have a, a nice Jesus. Some people have a Jesus that kids like. And some people's Jesus has blonde hair and blue eyes. Some people's Jesus has a, a curly haircut, kind of a, 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 a tight curls. Some people's Jesus looks a lot like that guy from The Chosen because he's pretty popular these days. And everybody has kind of their own vision of, of Jesus. I, th I think the guy from The Chosen probably looks more like Jesus looks than the blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy because Jesus didn't come from Scandinavia. He came from, 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 from Nazareth. They want to get rid of the Jesus who actually speaks truth and demands response. Because, see, the Gospel of John, however, doesn't really give us that option. Because when this Jesus, when you let him loose and you actually listen to him and he opens his mouth, he says things like, I'm preaching my father's doctrine. And so if you're saying doctrine's a bad word, then you have to say Jesus preached the wrong sermon. If you're, if you're actually paying attention to the text. Now some people go to great lengths to get rid of the text. I read today of the, the process of the so-called Jesus seminar. This was a group of scholars that were trying to determine what were the authentic sayings of Jesus? They went to the entirety of the four Gospels, and they arrived at one statement that they unanimously voted on as being authentic for Jesus. Render to Caesar what is Caesar, and render to God what is God's. They took the four Gospels, and they left me with one text about taxes. No, thank you. I'll take my Jesus as the Gospel has delivered him. I'll take the word of God against the word of man. I'll take the word of the Lord against the ideas of of my peers. In the prologue of the book of John, we learned that Jesus is the word of God become flesh. John 1 and 1 and John 1 and 14. So you really can't separate the incarnation from revelation. You can't separate the person from the word. 
because they are one and the same. Jesus himself claimed to be the truth. He said, I am the way, I am the, the truth, and I am the... Then he said, no man comes to the Father but by me. You can't distinguish Jesus from truth or credibly claim that there are these 8 billion little truths when his statement is that truth is singular and it is embodied in him. Jesus apparently had a lot to do with doctrine because five times in the gospel, five times in the gospels, we find that those who heard him were astonished by his doctrine. I thought they'd been astonished by the miracles. He turned two loaves and two, what was it? Two fish and five loaves into 15,000 person meal. Sheila, how'd you like to cater for 15,000 people? You pull your hair out and then you start on gyms. That's a lot of people. You'd have to help you. There you go. Two, two of y'all, I wouldn't put it past you. You'd think people would be astonished at the miracles. But five times the scripture records that they were astonished, Sister Sarah, at his doctrine. The advent of sound teaching with the power of the Spirit that was resident in Christ was actually prophesied 700 years before by Isaiah. It was prophesied by Isaiah. In chapter 28, verses 9 through 12, it'll only take a moment, but I do want to share this with you because I think it's instructive of how the Word of God prophesied that the Son of God would arrive with doctrine and the power of the Spirit. He says in verse 9, Whom will he teach knowledge? And whom will he make to understand doctrine? Speaking of Jesus. He says, Those that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. In other words, mature people are able to be taught doctrine. I'm going to be kind here, okay? But maturity and sound teaching go together. They go together. If your experience is only this deep, it may be that there's, and, and that's appropriate for some people when they first meet the Lord. Peter himself said, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. But Paul said, you should be eating meat, but you're still, still on milk basically because you haven't matured to the doctrines that you need to reach. Okay, so who are you going to teach? Those that are mature. For precept must be upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will they speak to this people. This prophecy was foretelling what would happen in Acts chapter 2 when God's people would be supernaturally empowered to speak in another language through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, he said, this is the rest wherewith you can cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Isaiah's prophesied regarding the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the embracing of sound doctrine that occurred in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 was not just a, a concert of sensationalism. In Acts chapter 2, you find that sound doctrine was part of their experience, as well as the supernatural experience. Paul connected this prophecy both to speaking with other tongues under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the Christian maturity. You'll find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 20 through 22. I'm not going to read that today, but just write down that reference or make a mental note. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 
Paul makes reference to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God going together with Christian maturity. The writer of Hebrews has an extensive sermon segment from Hebrews 3 and 7 all the way to Hebrews 4 and 12 that connects this rest of the Holy Spirit with the Word of God. Sister Rebecca, it ends with a text that you know. The Word of God is alive and it's sharp and it's powerful. It divides into the, bone, the, the marrow from the joints. And, and, and the Word is able to discern the very hearts of men. In this context, with doctrine and the Spirit, the writer of Hebrews reminds us that this prophecy has come true in the church age. Now, let's pay attention to those who receive the news you can trust, sound doctrine. Remind you that Isaiah said, it is the mature that receives sound doctrine. One of the reasons that I'm preaching this today is that part of our goal here is not just to be in Christ, but to mature in Christ. Part of, part of our goal is to, 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 can I use this phrase, to level up. That wherever we are with Christ, from someone who's walked with the Lord a long time, like Sister Sarah or Brother Roy, to somebody who's fairly new with walking with the Lord, recently baptized, like Brother Martine or Sister Maddie, that we all increase in knowledge and we all increase in glorifying the Lord through becoming more like Him. You know how that happens? Not just with feeling things, but with understanding the doctrine that the Scriptures teach us. We have to have balance. We are a Pentecostal church. We believe in people raising their hands and expressing emotion. We believe in clapping our hands. And we believe in, in uh, uh, exuberant expressions of praise. I, I no more would forbid you to, to be exuberant in praising the Lord than I would <coughs> if you were a recipient of one of those big checks. They drove up in your driveway and they hauled that big cardboard up there and it said $10 million. And Sarah, you ran out the door and said, I mean... I, if you said, well, I'm very thankful today. I appreciate you bringing this by. You know, I, I think Sarah would probably be a little more emotional, uh, but I wouldn't forbid you to do that. You're overjoyed. Why in the world would I forbid you to express joy in the presence of God? Because he's worth a lot more than those cardboard checks. And I hope you get one. It'll be great. The box is back there on the way out the door. If you get one, you, you visit the box. It's awesome, okay? But, but, but we want to know that, that, that we're balanced in our emotion, but also our understanding. I'm going to make a statement here, and I hope you'll receive it. If there's somebody that you're hearing and they devalue doctrine, I need you to understand as a pastoral leader, there's one or two things happening. Alex, they're either you're dealing with an immature Christian or you're dealing with a false teacher. If someone devalues doctrine, they're either immature in their faith or they're trying to pick your pocket. And that, there may be subconscious motivations that they don't even know about. But let me tell you something. Jesus valued doctrine. Jesus taught doctrine. And Jesus was not just a, a, a silly putty God that you can mold into any shape that you want. He was a living, historical person who taught the truth of God. There's an historical record of what he taught. And we can't just shape him to our own ends. Some people have Jesus as a neo-Marxist. Some of them think he's a Republican. Some people think he's a Democrat. Some people think he's this. Some people think he's that. The Gospels tell us exactly who he is. And it speaks for itself. And Jesus speaks for himself. Beware. Beware of those who want to shape Jesus into their mold to fit their purposes. He will not be put in any box that you construct for him. He is God alone. 
and he's God all by himself. He is God, and we are not, and he makes the rules. Everybody okay? All right. The gospel itself means good news. And I want to share with you today on a positive note, the gospel is news that you can trust to save you. Can I say it this way? The gospel is that we're not everything we're cut out to be. We're not perfect on our own. We do need the Lord. All have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. But God loved us so much that he refused to leave us like that. And my Bible says that from the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. It means to me that in, in the forethought and the foreknowledge of God, he determined upon himself that he would be willing to set a redemptive plan before us. And so God came in the form of a man in Jesus Christ. He died on the cross that my wife uh, talked about and sang about moments ago. And he has now offered that experience of resurrection to each of us. If Jesus had died, it would have been wonderful. It would have been amazing. It would have been moving. He would have been the world's greatest martyr. But Jay would have been a failure. But the empty tomb means that it's not just a moving story. It is the big story of the universe. And if the resurrection is true, anything is possible. If the resurrection is false, you wasted your afternoon besides just meeting some nice people and hearing some people sing and all this. And I hope you get a lot of good out of this because if the resurrection is false, you're wasting your time. But if the resurrection is true, God can and will do anything that he needs to do to help his people glorify his name and be healthy and righteous in this world and to be the church that he wants us to be. That is sound doctrine. Amen? Amen. A few words more to encourage you. And then we'll respond to the Lord and we'll go. Paul prophesied in the last days that there would be people who would not endure sound doctrine. I used my translation from the Syriac text this morning that my friend Matthew Bryan did recently. And the word sound here means, it's a hyphenated word, it means being healthy. Brother Roy, it says, some people won't tolerate being healthy doctrine. And there are actually some people who think when a pastor talks about doctrine, he's there to steal something from them or to, to be a killjoy or to take their smile and, you know, ruin the party. You know, everybody's having a good time. And then mom says, bedtime, <laughs> my kids, you know, when I say it's almost night, night time. They don't like, some people feel about doctrine kind of like that, that it's the, the cooling rods on the nuclear generator. This kind of shuts down the power, shuts down the good things. Let me tell you something. Doctrine is necessary for you to be healthy. If you're going to be a healthy Christian, you need doctrine. If you're going to be healthy, this is coming from a Pentecostal preacher, y'all. You know, I'll, I'll yell and holler with the best of you. But we need sound doctrine in order to be healthy Christians. Because we go by our own ways, we just wind up being crazy. We just do weird stuff. But if we stick with the Word of God, He has a way of helping us to be healthy. <laughs> the word translated in, in, in one case is hygienic doctrine. They, they won't endure hygienic doctrine. Anybody found that if you don't take a shower for a few days, you need to adjust your hygiene? It's not because you're a bad person. It's not because you're necessarily a stinky person. <laughs> you just need to attend to your hygiene. If you forget your toothbrush on a trip, I hope you'll do something about that for the sake of those who are around you because you need to be hygienic. You need to wash your face. 
You need to you need to take a bath from time to time. It's the same with us. We need sound doctrine to get rid of unhealthy things and unhygienic things in our lives. Ways of thinking that this culture puts into us and bombards us with that are not godly. They're not true and they're not righteous. It doesn't make you a bad person because you pick that up. Jesus himself had to wash his feet when he would go in people's homes. Why? Because they had sandals and those roads were dirty. And so it was part of hygiene to wash the feet of travelers. So it is that when we walk into the church, please don't be annoyed and please don't be offended when someone teaches sound doctrine because sound doctrine keeps you healthy as a Christian. It helps you to grow as a Christian. It helps you to understand what you need as a Christian to be healthy and to be the person that the Lord made you. Now he said these people that avoid healthy doctrine, they, they're, they're unhealthy. They, they're people that have 2 Timothy 4 and 3. This is an interesting word. They, they have itching ears. Yes. Itching ears. They can't wait to hear somebody tell them their version of the fake news. They can't wait to be told something about... that. They, they're very religious, but they just don't endure sound doctrine. And I'll tell you, basically, it comes down to, there, there's kind of two sides to it. There's people who are naturally kind of hardcore, and they don't want to hear anything about forgiveness or mercy or that anybody can be admitted to heaven that doesn't pass their muster. And they, they kind of want to be Peter at the gate and keep everybody else out. They, they're the gatekeepers. And then we got those that don't believe in gates. <laughs> and and they, they don't want to hear anything about God asking demands of us. They're, they're, you'll, you'll hear phrases, um, well... I don't want to go into all the catchphrases because I want you to misunderstand and I don't want to, to denigrate a group. But I'll, I'll just tell you, don't fall into those traps of the right or the left or don't, don't fall into those things that just aren't sound doctrine. We're not here to judge people, but we are here to embrace the doctrine of God's truth. And we're here to contend for it, as Jude said, the faith that was delivered once to the saints. Paul warned the Roman church to avoid such people, Romans 16, 17 through 18. He said, stay away from people that won't endure doctrine. Yeah. Why? Now, now, listen, you know, I'm going to go to the post office. I'm not going to, you know, don't give me a stamp. You don't endure sound doctrine. That's not what he's talking about. Don't let your inner circle of people that you're learning from and that you're admiring and that you're patterning your life after, don't let it be people who won't endure sound doctrine. Because if you'll show me your five closest friends, I'll show you your future in five years. If you'll show me who you're fellowshipping with, I will show you where you're headed. Yeah. Because we become more like those that we admire. It is a human trait. Yeah. This is how God uses discipleship in the church in a positive way. But the world has a discipleship program too. So beware of people who will not endure sound doctrine. Amen? Be friends to everybody, okay? Jesus ate with sinners and Pharisees and wine-bibbers and gluttons and and, and adulterers and prostitutes. He, 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 would, he would interact with many people, but he spent the most time with people that were hungry for the truth of God, his disciples. Everybody okay? The Word of God, the Bible says, is profitable for doctrine. 1 Timothy 3 and 16. Two final objections. Some people say, if you preach doctrine at this church, it's going to hinder evangelism. We just need to say Jesus loves us and let that be it. Because the minute you bring up doctrine, you're going you're gonna to stop evangelism. I want to show you what the text has to say about that. The Bible says in Acts 5 and 28 that the high priest said to the apostles, 
you have filled all Jerusalem with your miracles, with your fellowship, with your giving, with your Christ-likeness. It's not what he said. You look at it, Acts 5 and 28, he said, you have filled all Jerusalem with your doctrine. Sound doctrine is not a hindrance to evangelism. It is a benefit to evangelism. Because sound doctrine keeps your pastor from getting weird. Sound doctrine keeps your deacons from getting weirder. And sound doctrine keeps the church from getting really weird too. Because we're all just human. We don't have all the truth in and of ourselves. We just need to be in love with Jesus and we need to honor his word so that the truth can be among us and can change us rather than us presenting something to the world that we dreamed up out of our heads or our cultural nuances or our things that, that we've got our blind spots. Doctrine hinders evangelism. Absolutely not. Finally, the final objection. Doctrine divides. Oh, you might have heard that one. All these denominations, God never intended. I agree. There was one Lord, one faith, and one baptism in Paul's day. That's the way it should be today. Absolutely. There should be one universal church. So what about all these things that divide people who are professing Christians? Let me tell you something. It's not sound doctrine that divides. It's false doctrine that divides. Come on, this word doesn't divide. You want me to prove it to you? Look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. Right after receiving the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that they went from house to house and they had fellowship together and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. You know how to get the stench of denominational, I can't even say the word, denominationalism. You know how to remove the stigma of denominationalism from Christianity? If we would all just agree to follow the apostles' doctrine, then we would find common ground in the word of God and the spirit of God, and we wouldn't have to worry about it. I don't care if you call yourself a Lutheran. I really don't. Martin Luther had some good qualities. I don't care if you call yourself a Baptist. I believe in baptizing. I don't believe if you call. I don't mind if you call yourself a Catholic. I believe that the church should be universal. I don't mind if you call yourself even Pentecostal because that's where the church began. I don't mind if you call yourself a Church of Christ. I believe that we should be the church that is founded by Christ. And so I'll just name all of those different groups because you know I could go on and on and on. You know the left-handed. You know, there's a lot of different groups. But all that truly matters is that we're obedient to the Word of God and that we preach, espouse, believe, and obey sound doctrine. Scripture knows nothing of a Christian with faith who's not obedient. Scripture knows nothing of an obedient person who's not doing it out of faith. Scripture shows us that when we see the truth, we need to embrace it, we need to live it, and we need to let it form our lives. Can the church say amen? amen. True doctrine unites. Would you stand with me today? Now, I'm going to tell you something. Religious entrepreneurs can't afford to preach sound doctrine because it has the same effect on the religious people in the 21st century that it did on religious people in the 1st century. It astonishes them. They don't accept it. So if you want to build a big, 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 the greatest church in the world with the largest network on, on all your shows and everything, you'd better be careful preaching sound doctrine if you, if you want to grow your kingdom. But if you want to grow the Lord's kingdom, Sound doctrine is where you start, it's where you finish. Because it's the word of God that's going to last, not the word of man. True pastors can't afford not to teach sound doctrine 
because it's the only thing worth trusting your life to. You know what my personality is. I'm conflict avoidant. If you and I have a disagreement about doctrine, my nature is to want to step down and stand down. I'm not a fighter. I'm more of a lovey-dovey kind of guy. It's just the way I built. Thank you, Virginia. I don't come looking for fights, but I gotta be honest with you. If we're talking about the Word of God, even if it means when you say I disagree with that, and I, I you know, I, I, this is it. I'm gonna walk out over this one. I love you enough to say you're gonna have to make your decision, but I'm gonna have to preach sound doctrine the best that the Lord allows me to do, because I'm not here to build a big group. The Lord is here to build His church true disciples who are growing in maturity. Everybody agree with that? That's the kind of church we need. That's the kind of church we need. Build your life on a solid foundation. Jesus said, the one that hears my words and does them is be like that one who built his house on a rock. Nobody goes around saying, wow, look at their house. Oh, that's the most wonderful foundation I've ever seen. Wow, did you use rebar in that? Was it, was it pre-stressed concrete? Or did you pour it out of a truck? Or did you have a million quickcrete sacks? How did you do that foundation? I guess an engineer would, Harrison, but I don't think, I'm not that geeky about building materials. I look at the paint, I look at the shutters, I look at the design. That's what I'm interested in. But Jesus said, you need to start at the bottom. Build your life on the road. Now, most people, when they come looking for a church, they want to know if they got a children's program. They want to know if they got a youth program. They want to know what size church it is. They want to experience the service and see if there's a bunch of weirdos running around or if they fit in or does this church look like me? Is it all white? Is it all black? Is it all yellow? Or is there some mix of people? Is, is there old people and young people? Do I find anybody that's friendly to me? Hey, listen, all, all that, I, I get all that. But you'd be wise to look at the foundation. Are the people you're trusting your family to teaching you sound doctrine? Are the people that you're trusting your life to based on the Word of God? I make a pledge to you. I will never step in this pulpit without praying, without fasting, without asking God through His Word for me to preach the truth. I'm not all that great of an administrator. I'm not all that great of a singer. I'm definitely not a good dancer. I can't play basketball very well. I'm not a musician. But I know how to preach sound doctrine. And if you come here, because of the people that come to this pulpit, not just me but others, your life's going to be based on the Word of God. Not just emotion, not just hype, but on the Word of God. I want to encourage you to do that today. Could we just lift our hands and ask the Lord to help us to build our life on a firm foundation? We just we just lift our hands and say, Lord, I, I want to build my life on the truth. I, I want to... I want to be, Lord, who you want me to be. And I recognize, Lord, that the way to do that is to build on your word. God, I ask you to help me to discern the truth from lies around me, God. This culture is full of a lot of things that are, that are great, but there's also things in this culture that would damage my walk with you. And Lord, I ask you to help me to discern what is good and what is evil in our world. God, I ask you to help me to distinguish the truth as you teach it to me through your word and your spirit. And Lord, allow me to grow. And Lord, let me grow in maturity, Lord, that I will love and embrace your doctrine. Because it is for me and it's for my good. It's, it's healthy, Lord, for me to have sound doctrine. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
far from being something that divides Christians. Sound doctrine, healthy doctrine, the doctrine that was once delivered to the saints, the doctrine of the apostles, is a unifying force that makes the church strong and helps us to accomplish our purpose in the world for which God has recreated us. Let's don't shy away from the truths of God's word, but let's embrace them in our hearts, our minds, and our spirits, and show them in our lives that we are true disciples of our Lord. Thank you, friend, for joining us at All Into United. Thank you.